This podcast is a product of the 4th and Inches Network. A podcast network designed to keep Husky fans up to date on their favorite programs around UW. Enjoy the show and go dogs. Go dogs. Go dogs. Hello everyone. Welcome to the 4th and Inches Network. This podcast covers the Washington Husky softball program with a little bit of baseball mixed in. This week, Trey Konishi and I break down what went wrong against Cal in their opening of the Pac-12 conference play. Was it their batting or was it what seemed to be their collapse in the circle? We also make a prediction at how their series against the UCLA Bruins is going to play out. This is Turn 2. Welcome Husky fans to the second ever, and I think this is kind of a fun one because it's episode two of Turn 2, a Husky podcast dedicated to Washington softball, a part of the 4th and Inches Network family. I am Kayla Olin. I am Trey Konishi. And welcome to Turn 2. We have a lot to talk about as Washington had opened up conference play against Cal down in Berkeley. And as promised, we will also do a quick baseball recap for the week, just because while the 4th and Inches Network is still growing, we don't get to have our own podcast dedicated to baseball, but we still want to touch on everything that happened. And just a quick recap there is UW swept the Wazoo Cougars and the Apple Cup series, putting them tied for third in conference play with four and two. 12 and eight overall and 30 points were, you know, earned there for Washington. If you don't really get that reference and you missed a little fun fact from episode one at the very end, go back and listen because it's pretty interesting. Trey, what was your kind of first initial thoughts on Washington sweeping Wazoo? Well, one thing that I noticed is they score 25 points in three games. So that's an average of eight runs per game. So offensively, they were remarkable. I mean, they completely dominated Wazoo. I mean, night one, it was close. It was three to two, but the bats came alive. The games two and three, when they won game two, eight to two, and they won game three, 14 to three. So bats were there, but also pitching was there. They only gave up uh, two to three runs per game. I love that you brought up pitching because I was actually, and I, and I do want to do as we're going to get a little bit more into this entire podcast and how it's all going to work throughout the season. Do you want to touch on any key moments that baseball does have, or, you know, some key players that really stood out. And one of them for me was sophomore right-handed pitcher with Calvin Kirchhoff, who put up a huge performance Saturday night in game two. That was just huge. Following the first inning, there was a ground out and a walk. And then he retired 19 straight batters, giving up zero hits through six and two thirds. So that is a huge day for him. Yeah, I also want to uh, mention the just one of the key players in that three to win was John uh, Johnny Tincher. He went four for four, couple RBIs. He's just Swinging the bat really, really well. Overall, very solid performance for the Utah baseball program. They now play down in Arizona against the Sun Devils this coming weekend, who are tied for seventh in the conference with a one and two record, nine and 12 overall. Game times are Friday the 25th at 6 p.m., Saturday the 26th at 2 p.m., and Sunday the 27th at 12 p.m. They're supposed to have just a little bit of a non-conference. The day we're actually recording, recording this, but due to rain, that didn't happen. So again, 
we want to have a baseball podcast that will come hopefully by next spring, but we are going to just mention baseball as we really kind of dive deeper into softball. And speaking of successful weekend for baseball, not so much for the softball program as Washington dropped the series (laughs) against the Cal Golden Bears, opening their Pac-12 conference play on the road down in Berkeley going one and two. This moved UW out of the top 10 from number seven to number 11 in the rankings. And this loss also dropped the dogs to 20 and seven overall, one and two in Pac-12 play, tying them for fifth in the conference. This is the first time that UW had lost a series to Cal since 2015. Yeah, I was looking at the uh, just stats about series played by Cal. Um, UW had a 13-game winning streak against yeah, Cal. Yeah, Last time they won, last time they won, a, last time they uh, lost a game to Cal was 2016. So it's been a really, really long time. It's just insane, and I don't know if it's insane because, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, that Washington fans have come to a standard of UW just being good. Every year, there's really no changing of the guards in terms of will they lack leadership? Will it be difficult for them to bounce back this season? Last year was crazy because they didn't make the College World Series, which we talked about last week on the show. But to lose to Cal, I don't think is something that a lot of us expected. You and I called a two and one with dropping just one game based on the bats that was behind the Golden Bears. But I don't think we expected a one and two. No, not at all. And Friday, it was a good win. I mean, UW had 10 hits. But one thing I want to talk about is how about only seven hits combined in Saturday's and Sunday's game with three hits coming from the 5-2, uh, coming from the 5-6 loss on Sunday, and then four hits in the other game. And you and I kind of even talked off the recording a little bit in terms of just why why is it that they will put up only one or two hits a game or runs a game and then all of a sudden they'll come out and put 14 on the board the the just inconsistency i think is a big reason why washington ended up losing this weekend right and the crazy thing is they had three hits in sunday's loss and they still scored five runs in the game that to me is a crazy stat yeah, it's, it's hard, especially when you have this idea of how talented, the, we know this is a talented team. And so what is not clicking for Washington? Is it having to do with maybe some coaching or practicing? Is it just they're not putting everything that they're doing in practice together in a game? Or is the opponents really that good? We talked about how good the Pac-12 as a conference was but Washington came in struggling a little bit, even against non-conference, some weaker opponents as well. Right. And I think some of it has to do with just the level of leaders on the team. I mean, again, this is a really, really young team. So going back to last year, you lost a lot of talent. You got, you had players like Sis Bates, Morgan Flores, you had Taryn, and now you have a team in your starting lineup that uses four freshmen. And to be honest, I think softball works just like all the others, all the other sports like basketball, football. It's great to have these talented freshmen, but I think what you really need is experienced leaders and seniors on your team. 
I, I couldn't agree with you more. And we'll kind of talk about some key players, maybe some people who struggled a little bit, both in the circle and in the batter's box. So before we get to that, though, there has to be some good that came from this weekend. There was one win, so not the worst in the Pac-12. And we have a fun segment here, and it's Trey's top play of the week. So you can go ahead, pick your best play offensively, defensively, and go ahead and really just paint that picture and why it was your favorite. Because there's a lot of softball that's played in the course of three days, and some people don't get to see everything. So I think my top play is actually a pitcher um, and just her pitching performance. I'm going to go back to Brooke Nelson. Um, she pitched one and one third of an inning. It was against, it was Saturday. She I mean, she had one hit baseball, but you look at some of the other pitchers, um, especially like Gabby Plain and Pat Moore. Pat Moore gave the go-ahead home run, and Gabby Plain, she really struggled. I mean, she pitched three innings, gave up four runs and six walks, and Brooke Nelson comes in against a pretty good offense, comes in and pitched. You only pitched one and one-third inning in the game, but one hit baseball and she really gave the team a chance to get back into the game. I really like that you kind of went pitching because I felt that that was really where Washington struggled the most this weekend. And so for that to be a top play, I think it shows that the talent is there, the ability to win these games, to win the close games are there. And Washington is, going into the bottom of the seventh with two outs, no one on base and a walk-off home run ends it for Washington. So it's not like they were blown out by Cal by any means. Is that good? And is that a maybe shining moment that we're not touching on? Or is it that, you know, it shouldn't have even been close in the first place? Well, I think, I mean, I think that's good. They, they, they kept it close but I think at the same time I mean with some of your bats in the lineup I mean in my opinion only having three hits and Sunday's loss and two of those hits came from the same player yeah I think that's unacceptable so within the rest of the lineup so the rest the eight other players they had one hit which I don't care who you play you could play the worst team in the NCAA, if you only have three hits the whole entire game, you're not winning. No, not even a little <laughs> bit. Not And I mean, gosh, we can talk about all this, but the fact that Washington had an error, at least one, there was a game with more than one, but at least one error in every game, that's not acceptable either. And that's not going to cut it in these one run loss games and it's not going to cut it in a game against UCLA. It's not going to cut it if you make it to the world series. So how to work out those kinks and not make those errors. I mean, errors happen. It happens in the major leagues, but some of them were silly mistakes, kind of that ball that got past left field and kind of scored some runs that way. It just, you would think that some of these errors were fixed in the preseason, but they're not. So how does Washington really get back to fixing these quickly? And they have to quickly because UCLA comes to town this week. Right. I think one thing that I really learned 
from this series is, like you said, Washington, they, they can't afford to play sloppy against anybody. They're not talented enough to go out there. I mean, clearly they're not talented enough to go out there and make basic mistakes. So they I don't think have a lot of this bait to throw someone out at home. <laughs> right. I think a lot of it is just discipline. It's just, but I think a lot of it too, I think going back to the lack of leadership and a lack of just a lack of experience. I think a lot of that, I think with experienced teams playing, you know, you see less of those less of those errors but going back to what you said about having all of the preseason to kind of clean it up I 100% agree with you um if you look at any other sport you know the the preseason is a chance to work out any any problems you have with your team and then by the time conference hits those errors better be fixed cuz they can't afford to uh, have all these just mental mistakes along with their struggles at the bats against really any team in their league. Something else that really should kind of be addressed quickly on early in the season as we're going to be progressing through this podcast and following their journey, but hits were an issue. We talked about that a little bit, but an even bigger issue was in the pitching circle. And so we're now going to talk about in the circle and uncharacteristically Gabby playing came in for relief in the fourth and walked a career high six batters after Kelly Lynch pitched the first three innings, striking out five batters. That was something that was crazy to me. Right. And I don't know. I don't know what you think about this, but there's something about Gabby playing. I think there's, there's, she's not a hundred percent. I don't know what it is. She's almost giving, 70 to 80 percent but something's not right and it's it may not even be giving 70 to 80 percent but something's not clicking anymore and maybe it has to do with maybe it has to do with confidence maybe it has to do with the fact that she is the most experienced pitcher there now and all eyes are on her and you know, it's it's really hard to pinpoint because softball is such a mental game sometimes, especially in the circle. But the Gabby Plain that's playing all these years later, she just looks more confident as a freshman. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, Which is crazy to say. How often do you say that? <laughs> right, because you know, normally you you're at your best by the time you're senior because you're able to, you know, she. And the thing is about her, this, this is her fifth year with the program because of that COVID year where they had an extra year of eligibility, you know, she was able to use that. And expectation was since, you know, she, she decided to come back this year that this was going to be the most dominant, you know, we've, we've seen her. Yeah. And she's and been through the Olympics that. a couple of times, you know, so. Right. Yeah. For Australia. Yeah. She's, she's represented the, yeah. the softball team for the Olympics. The, the confidence right. should be there. It's just crazy, but it's, it's not only her either. You can talk about how in the sixth during one of these games, I, I cannot remember who for life of me, but a cow player bunted scoring the runner on third runner on second scored by an error by the pitcher. So there was chaos all in the circle. Plus first game of the series, Gabby Plain 
earned that start, struck out four. Pat Moore comes in, and we talked about this walk off. And you know, you have you have earning wins, and you have walking, and you have a good depth there. Nothing is just coming together. No, yeah, yeah. And then you know, going back to Kelly Lynch, you know, we talked about last week how you know she she's struggling batting. We talked about kind of how Rachel Garcia for UCLA, how she's built dominant pitching. I'm so glad you brought her up because I went to see if she was still there after like seven years and she finally was off the roster. And I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> there's a, finally, so you're bro. telling me there's a chance. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, she got the start and, you know, she, she didn't have the best game either. Yeah. Honestly, I think quite frankly I think all of them all all the pitchers really did struggle um and um Kelly Lynch I mean she pitched three and two-thirds innings on Saturday six hits three runs two walks I mean that's not really good either that's a run of inning (laughs) yikes uh doesn't look too good there copper but I kind of want to also hold people accountable, but I also want to praise them when they do really well. So if you had to pick somebody who struggled maybe the most or who looked the most uncharacteristic and then somebody who was the shining star out of the pitchers, who would you choose? I think, honestly, I'd give it to uh, Brooke Nelson for pitching. As the shining star? I would, yeah. I love it. she, She came in especially right after Kelly Lynch gave up three runs and three and two thirds of an innings. She came in, got through the, got through to the fifth, one hit baseball, no runs. And then Pat Moore comes in after that and gives up the walk-off home run. (laughs) I thought that was a weird call for Heather Tarr. I mean, her pitch count was, her pitch count wasn't low. I give her that, but I just thought that was kind of weird to bring in a closer when she didn't even start the game. So, right. Overall, uh, grade A through F. <laughs> what would you give these pitchers? Um, overall, I'd probably give it a C. Because I mean, if you, if you go back to Friday, and the, the the main reason why, in my opinion, they won Friday was actually because of pitching. Because you had Gavin yeah. Flame came in, two coming I mean, four innings, two run ball. But then you had Pat Moore come in. She pitched three full innings, only gave up a hit and struck out four. So yeah. in that game, you got to give the pitchers credit. But then after that, I think if we if we talk about Saturday to and Sunday the the pitching just wasn't there but i will give them credit for for friday especially pat moore because she did come in on friday and was completely dominant yeah i would definitely go cc plus as well just based off of everything you were saying they also do you get some pretty big strikes when it came to the top of the order or holding the number nine hitter at bay uh, I think that was big as well, just kind of knowing the situation. Uh, not easy. I think any time that a pitcher does get into high pitch counts, that's never a good thing, and it doesn't really mean that you're 
not a good pitcher, but it just means that you're just not either letting your defense back you up or you're just throwing too many balls. Right. All right, moving on to the batter's box breakdown, kind of talking about how hitting went at the plate. I would say somebody who we talked about is one of those that is the leader of the team and a all-around stellar athlete, Bailey Klinger. She put up a three-run home run in the second game of the series. She's now one home run away from being the 10th on the all-time Husky career list for home runs. No, yeah, she she can really swing the bat, absolutely. And you go to that game, um, I believe it was the four three loss when she when she hit the home run. She she was the only person on the team that scored all their runs. I mean, besides her, no one else you know contributed. Her back hurts from carrying yeah. the team this weekend. Right? Yeah. Uh, somebody else too, though. Uh, Kinsey Fiedler homered twice for the first time in her career. She joins Olivia Johnson and former Husky. Somebody that we actually haven't talked about even on our preview show going into the season is Noelle He, somebody who was always kind of a bright shining star of the program as well. And Taylor Van Z as the only freshman dogs to hit two home runs in a single game. Yeah, no. And if, if we're going to a, a shining star for, for offense, I, I I'm going to give it to, of the fielder I mean she she really was the one who had any hope offensively especially yeah. in those last two games I mean if we go to that five six loss you know she hit the, she hit the home run and she she was two for four and she was the only her and one other person her and Bailey Klinger were the only two who got hit and she was the only one who had a multi-hit game in that game. So if there's any bright spot offensively from the series, I, I'd got to give it to her, Kenzie Fielder. And I couldn't agree more on that one. I think another, again, is it a red flag or is it not that half? I feel like that has to be a new segment here. What we'll get going one of these days is, is it a red flag or not? And here's one of these questions for you. Is it a red flag or not? Washington freshmen scored four of the team's five runs in one of their games. Is, is that a red flag or is it not? I think, I think yes, in a way where, you know, other players who've been with the program need to step up, but I do think it gives the, the, the players and the team for the future, you know, hope that they're going to be good because, you know, all these freshmen are scoring and stepping up to the plate. But I also want to mention some one of the players uh, who we haven't mentioned yet, Sammy Reynolds. She got hit yeah. in the head and she has had uh, concussion protocols. So she did not play Saturday and Sunday. And I really do think that affected part of the outcomes of the game because you know, the, with little leadership that they have, she is the the main leader on that team. Her and Bailey Klingler are it's, the yeah, especially players. in the outfield. You usually have a captain in the outfield. You usually have a captain on the infield. And I also mentioned the error out in left field, and that's because Sam Reynolds wasn't out there. So it was a dominant. Yeah, effect. and she can and she has a good bat too. You know, that's really hard too, and you know just. 
mixing up the batting order or mixing up who you have in the outfield you just you have a certain rapport that you build with your teammates who you usually play right next to in Sammy Reynolds case third short and then center so trying to make those adjustments especially with such kind of a quick situation it's not like it was practiced all week uh that one's a little bit more of a uh-oh moment as well yeah uh, yeah I agree what would you grade the batters against Cal? Uh, I think I'd, I'd, I'd have to give them worse than the <laughs> than <a> C. <laughs> yeah, I would. I mean, uh, game one, okay, game one, they had bats. They had 10 hits, which is, is good for them. Um, yeah, <laughs> But the the last two games getting four hits and three hits i mean that is that can happen and that's that's just unacceptable especially when you have three hits and two of them came from the same player i think that that's just unreal to me um especially with that lineup um so i i give it about a c minus they're they're batting because i do think friday they did have 10 hits, um, which was good. And you got to look at the positives with Bailey Klinger with the three-run home run. Yeah. But again, with with her getting through in a home run, that was the only offense that came from the game. So <laughs> it's kind of hard to find a bright spots with their offense when basically one person is kind of carrying, carrying the, the offense. I would agree. I'd probably do a C, C plus kind of again, same as with pitching. Uh, like you said, with Bailey Klinger, I, I really docked them and maybe a more on the under the C plus, more closer to C side, just because I thought that they could have been more patient at the plate. I yeah, thought I that they were swinging at a lot of high balls, um, weren't really protecting the plate either. There was situations where it could be one and two and they were just kind of hoping for a ball almost and not really protecting as much, uh, looking at a few more strikes than I would like. So I think that kind of really hurt my grades for them as well. Well, one set I, I was speaking about the, yeah, just the plate discipline that I want to talk about and their loss six to five on Sunday the team struck out seven times and that's how many times that's how many hits they had in Saturdays and Sundays game combined. They had seven hits and they struck out seven times in one game on Sunday. That stat to me is, is crazy. <laughs> that's a fun little fact there. I had the fun fact last week about the Apple Cup series. Your fun fact is that number seven there. Maybe not so lucky. No. And hopefully they can put this series behind them. We can put the series behind them. We will now kind of go ahead and preview what is coming up for the Washington Huskies. And it's going to be UW opening their first conference home series against the UCLA Bruins, who are now number three in the rankings, tied for first in the Pac-12 with ASU at 3-0 in conference. 25 and three overall Bruins didn't allow a single run against the Sun Devils 
and game times are Friday the 25th at 5 p.m., Saturday the 26th at 3 p.m., and Sunday the 27th at 4 p.m. This is going to be a tough, tough, tough matchup, but you have to get a win or two here. Absolutely, especially when you're playing at home, too, at Husky Stadium in front of fans. You got to get at least – you got in my opinion, you got to get at least two. If you want to have any confidence of – getting back um into the front runners in the conference you got to win too i really should have done the research on some of this and maybe this will be our fun fact for next week but if washington does drop this series and you and i'll get into predictions a little bit later i wonder when the last time washington dropped two back-to-back series in conference play would be Right, it'd have to be. Yeah, that's a good fact. I was thinking it would. Nineteen eighty. No, I'm kidding. That's really no, yeah. just spitballing out there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'd have to be at least pre Heather Tart, right? You would have yeah. to think. Yeah. I also saw somewhere that uh, Washington had been on the road for six straight weeks, and that was the first time since Heather Tar's first season as a head coach in 2015. So. Not 100% sure if that's uh, a bad juju or maybe a time to turn it around. Right. But no, this is, it's not going to be easy. Um, like you said, UCLA is 25 and three. And one thing that's an uh, interesting fact about UCLA that's very impressive, they're, they're on an 18 game winning streak, which you don't see very often with, with teams. So they, no, they looked really good against Arizona this past weekend. They looked almost unbeatable, almost as good as Oklahoma. <laughs> they were just – their offense is just crazy good. And for pitching, just to shut them out, three shutouts is just really, really impressive. Yeah, speaking of pitching, that's definitely a top player that you're going to want to watch for with UCLA. And now with Rachel Garcia gone, we have a new name we're going to go ahead and talk about. It's going to be uh, Holly Azevedo. She tossed her second, second no-hitter of the season in the number three UCLA softball teams. 3-0 and blanking of the number nine Arizona down on Sunday afternoon. And she also notched a career high of 13 strikeouts for her fourth double-digit strikeout performance of the year. Crazy stats for her. Not only that, after a hit by pitch to the second batter of the game, she retired 17 of the next 18 batters. So she doesn't make mistakes often. And if she does, she makes sure to go ahead and put two positives right after that. Right. If if UW shows up how they did against Cal with their offense and, and only getting seven hits against Cal's pitchers, if they swing the bat like that against UCLA, they are probably going to get shut out again. So they really need to fix that. Another good pitcher for UCLA, though, is uh, Megan Farimo. She leads to Pac-12 in strikeouts. So another really, really good pitcher for the Bruins. Like worst case scenario for Washington after just like a collapsing weekend against Cal is to just face even better batters. Right. <sighs> Somebody who is not on the pitching side of things for UCLA that I think is a good person to watch out for is Maya Brady. She is an out 
outstanding hitter and her slugging percentage is what really caught my eye. She has a seven, seven, three percent in that slugging percentage. And she's only nine RBIs away from breaking any season RBI career record of hers since being at UCLA the last three years. So she's already at 29 RBIs, nine more. She ties her 38 from last season, but yikes. Yeah. Another, um, really good hitter to look out for uh brianna perez she's the leadoff hitter she's batting 392 has 37 hits and seven home runs really anybody on ucla's roster and and batting uh lineup you got to be concerned about because i was doing some research on their starting lineup and almost all of them are hitting at least in the 300s if not better. Yeah, we saw Washington intentionally walk, you know, a couple batters this weekend. Are you expecting to see maybe some of that with some of these key players that you and I just talked about? I am, yeah, because the worst thing you want to do is... Their bat's dangerous. (laughs) Yeah, well, that that is dangerous. But, you know, if it's second and third one out, and if it's like a Brianna Perez or Brady up to the plate, you know, yeah. I would probably walk um, and face someone maybe deeper in the lineup. But I think the issue with that is I think UCLA is just so talented. Um, they really don't have any holes um, offensively that it's kind of harder to do that against them than, let's say, another team that isn't as good. They're, they're very powerful too. When they get underneath their balls, they go very far. I I can't remember who it was. I was just kind of quickly watching their game this weekend, going back and forth between March madness and praying that Arizona didn't lose just yet to Washington collapsing against Cal, but UCLA, one of their freshman hitters hit just a bomb directly down center field over the fence an extra like 20 yards <laughs> that ball had distance it was going to probably make it to the fence and safe go that's how much distance there was yeah <laughs> no it was it was yeah it was it was a bomb so how can Washington get a win we talked about where they struggled maybe some of their highlights with a couple of players but how can Washington get a win or the series win against the Bruins this weekend Um, I think I think the biggest thing, kind of what we talked about last week, is just getting to the to the pitchers early. But yeah. I do think you need to be disciplined at the plate and not take just terrible uh, pitches that I think they did against Cal. Um, and then another thing is just I think the walks are a bigger issue, especially with Gabby Plain giving up six walks in the game they just can't afford to do that you got to throw strikes and you gotta you gotta throw hard um and i think the way they need to approach this game is basically like they're in the college world series um that mindset of you know we we gotta win and there's no other option like we 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 have to win we have to play our best baseball if we have we want any chances because if they come out flat UCLA will make you pay 
and they've made multiple teams pay in the past. I mean, week one, game one, they scored 22 runs in a game in five innings and won 22 to nothing. So literally bonkers. Yeah, they didn't. They uh, the first game they allowed a run was their fifth game of the season. They shut out every team before that. How dare they? How yeah. dare they allow a run in the fifth game? Don't they know they have to wait till maybe the 10th? <laughs> like, yeah. Rude. <laughs> um, I love that you brought up um, walks because in my mind and just maybe playing softball, walks or walks are never good, but it opens up the door again, depending on the situation for a potential double play uh, to now have forces say it was only one person on first, you know, you don't have a force at second or a force at first. And so from my perspective, I don't always think of walks as maybe the worst thing in the world based on those situations, which I love that you brought up the walks because after talking about just UCLA and how powerful they are and how big of hitters, if say Gabby Plain does walk a couple batters in a row and we'll say Maya Brady comes up to the plate, that's a three run home run that is now being set up for them. And so I really like that you brought up those walks. I think that's a great kind of key on how Washington can win is to minimize those. Yeah. And another thing too about um, UCLA is they come out the gates um, and they, they're ready to go. Yeah. They They swing at first pitch like eight out of 10 times. (laughs) Right. And I was looking at some of these games where they score nine runs in the second inning and they score 13 runs and two innings so they don't they don't some teams wait until like third or fourth inning to really get going but they they come out and they are ready to go so Washington they better be prepared it's going to be challenging and then another thing that Washington can do is just the errors I mean they had an error in every single game yeah. you, against UCLA you, you can't afford any errors that's a little, that's kind of like in my notes. That's what I said. I was like, had an error in each of games against the Golden Bears must not happen against UCLA. So I'm going right. on the same page for that. And, you know, going back to UCLA striking fast, it's kind of like taking a shot at the end zone on first and 10 very first play. It's UCLA likes to be aggressive and they will be aggressive at the plate. They will battle. They will make plain and Nelson and more and everybody earn their strikes and earn those outs because it's not going to come easy. And Washington does need to be better behind the plate as well. Just disciplined, taking care of the plate and everything like that and battling and making the pitchers get up in that pitch count. So what's at stake? We're kind of going to go ahead and not really too much. I mean, Washington season is always at stake. Like you mentioned, having to think that this is like the world series, you do need to win to advance. But overall, still a little lot of room to play, a little bit more room for errors. So Washington can afford to drop a game potentially too. So going into that, what is your prediction for the series? Um, <laughs> what I think it's going to be, um, I think they're going to get swept. I really do. Um, yeah, yeah. Just based on how they've done so far this season but what I think they're capable of doing I'd say either one and two or two and one 
That's what's frustrating. I think while we're kind of, it hasn't been an easy start. So if you're still with us this far on the podcast, like I appreciate you for bearing with a little bit of the struggles and the growing pains right now with this team and everything, because that's a hard couple to open up to is Callum and UCLA. And I fully believe that Washington can win one. I just am not a hundred percent positive with what we've seen against Cal an unranked Cal <laughs> facing a number three UCLA team that they don't get swept, unfortunately. So I would probably agree with you there in a three and a. Yeah. Yeah. They're in favor just, of UCLA. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. UCLA is just on a different level. Yeah. U- yeah. UCLA gets to play the last place person in MLB. Like, and it'll be a great, and it'll be a great game. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, that's going to do it for our second episode of turn two and go ahead and make sure you leave us a little bit of a review comment, any questions that you have, so we can answer them for you on the next podcast and make sure to go ahead and listen to all the other fun episodes on fourth and inches network until next time. I'm Kayla Olin. I'm Trey Konishi. Go dogs. Go dogs.